I said, and I told、um, Miss Landis and my wife, I'd like to apologize because for the life of me, I forgot to record the message last Thursday night. <laughs> so, anyway,、um, all right, let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Let's pray.、Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your words. And I know that things happen for a reason, and maybe that the devil just, or not just the devil, but our flesh, or the world wants us to keep our focus away and feel troubled inside. So、uh, we can think of, or we would, our mind would tend to wander somewhere else. But such is life, and we shouldn't be surprised. And so we ask you, Lord, for your help and、uh, your leading and your wisdom on what to do, Father. We pray for everyone in here and everyone that's listening in the internet that you would speak through them through your words. Set Brother Francis aside, please, dear God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Whew! I forgot to do my laps today, Brother Mike. Normally, before church starts, I guess you would see me walking around back there. That's me shaking off the nerves.、Uh, anyway, so I'll just blame it on the mic again. The mic is nervous, okay? So, all right. So, let's do our review from last week, shall we? But before that, what we're going to be talking about the topic is, or the title of our message is You Don't Have to Guess or Come Up with Stuff. And we'll tell you why.、Um, review from last week. And.、Uh, Number one, we can only get peace with God after we get what? Peace with God only is possible after we get saved. Amen. And forget about it, you can give all your peace offerings by doing your works or sacraments, or no matter how religious anyone in this world is. Without salvation, you do not have peace with God. Number two, peace. So it's either off God or with God. Peace blank God is the fruit of the Spirit, and we need to let it rule in our hearts. Of God. Peace of God is the fruit of the Spirit. Number three, peace with God has to do with our salvation, while peace of God. Has to do with your daily what? Daily walk. Hey, hey. Amen. Number four, peace with God has to do with your blank, starts with an S, in the eyes of God, while peace of God has to do with your, also starts with an S,、uh, blank. I almost said the answer. <laughs> Standing is the first one, and the second one is the state. So, that is what we need to understand in our Christian life. A lot of people don't understand it. Some people think that that's one and the same. Now, our standing in the eyes of the living God is that we're justified. Our state, on the, other, on, the, on the other hand, sometimes we can live our life in the eyes of men as, you know, in the state of calamity. So, that's the good thing about learning Bible doctrine about salvation. In the eyes of God, we are saved, and nobody can ever take that away. But sometimes, in the eyes of men, people that tend to think, is that guy really saved or what? 
Okay? There, there's difference between standing and state. Next, last, peace with God is made possible by the work of blank alone, while the peace of God can only rule in our hearts depending on how much blank let it. So the first one is, that's the work of whom? Of Jesus or of God? Good job. He's the only one that made it possible for us. Next, and uh, the peace of God can only rule in our hearts depending on how much we let it. All right? And how do we let it? By letting the Word of God dwell in us richly. I would also, by the way, like to make a note from last week, from last week preaching, last week's preaching. I made a comment on how much, and probably you remember this. I made a comment on how much, how uh, different churches that I've been to preach a lot about love all the time. And I'm afraid that maybe I didn't convey what I, re I really meant about it then. I said something like, I can't believe how many churches I've been to and it seems like all they preach about is love. If there are people who should know how to love naturally, it should be saved people. Do you remember me saying something about that last week? Okay, so I just want to make a note about that. It may, ha it may probably have sounded that this preacher or this church looked down on the preaching about love. That's not what we're trying to say. Thus, putting us under the light of being a church that hate or a church that do not care. So that's not what we wanted to say back then. That's why I'm making a note right now before we jump into our message here. Question, are we a church that hate and are we a church that do not care? Well, the answer to, before we answer that question is we need to ask another question. What are we hating or what we not, are we not caring about? If, we, if we're talking about people, then we do care people, about people. We do love people. But if we're talking about evil things, then yes, we, we are supposed to hate evil things. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter number 12, verse 9, let love be without dissimulation. Dissimulation is like a show in the eyes of man or like something that's fake. Let love be not fake. There, so if we read this verse correctly, and I think we do, um, there is such thing as real love and fake love, correct? Yeah. So let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. So the concept of the world right now when it comes to love is, oh, I love that person. If you love this person, then you should just let him be whatever he wants to be. Or you should just let him do whatever he wants to do. That is not biblical love. Biblical love is, hey, I love you enough to tell you that there's danger ahead. That's what we meant by what we said last week. I just wanted to uh, make a comment there just so, especially people who are listening, it's not misleading there. So by all means, preach about love, but preach about the biblical kind of love that corrects and encourages people to do right or warns people when they are in danger. No more questions about that, hopefully. Woo. So many curveballs this morning. <laughs> Next. All right, so let's go to our text, shall we? Ephesians chapter number 1, verse number 9. 
And uh, our, our, our message today has, is, has to do a lot with uh, uh, just our practical application of what we've been learning so far in this church. But let's read our text first. Ephesians chapter number 1, verse 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of His will. So if it's a mystery, then we don't know it. But because He's already made it known to us, then it should not be a mystery anymore. Having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He had purposed in Himself. So God wants us to know what that mystery is. So God wants us to know what His will is. Ephesians chapter number 5, verse 7. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So, if we read this correctly, if we don't know what the, the will of the Lord is, then we cannot understand it. If we do not understand it, then we are unwise. Just the law of contract, contrast, right? Basic syllogism. Um, and then last but not the least in our text here, Colossians chapter number 1, verse number 9. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of His, what? Will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So, he's still there? If we're reading these verses correctly, and I think we are, we are able to know God's will, right? Simply by reading God's word, taking him at his word, or, or just taking him literally, and believing them. Quite frankly, just by reading them, you don't need a preacher a bishop, a pope, Dr. Laura, Dr. Phil, Dr. Spock, Dr. Seuss <laughs> to tell you what the will of God is because he already told us. Amen. You don't need to climb up the Himalayas to talk to some enlightened monk with a long goatee to tell you what God's will is. That's why he inspired and preserved his words. So, if you read in John chapter number 5, verse 39, Jesus told the people, and we've talked about this before, Jesus told the scribes and the Pharisees, search the scriptures, for in them you think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. If only people who always ask, what is God's will for me? If only we read the Bible. Now, but there are things that are revealed to, unto us expressly, right? Ephesians chapter number 3, verse 8. This is Paul speaking, our pattern. Unto me, who is that? That's Paul. Who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So earlier, Jesus told the scribes and Pharisees, Search the scriptures. And what, are the, what were the scriptures of the scribes and the Pharisees? They did not have the writings of Paul yet. It was the Old Testament. 
Alright? But there are things that were a mystery to those people that God said He already revealed to us in the writing of writings of Paul. And that's why to them, they were unsearchable. But to us, they are searchable already. They are already revealed. It should not be a secret anymore. So what are those things, Brother Francis? Well, I'm glad you asked. Oh man, I forgot to bring my, my whistle. Oh man. All right. Anyway, I'm glad you asked. So, we cannot, before we, we figure out what the will of God is that are, that are expressly written in the Bible, that you don't have to go to mystical things or you don't have to go to a, to a, a palm reader for. Before that, I want to make a note that we cannot expect to know the will of God until we get saved and our minds are renewed. And so like I said earlier, this is just an application of most of the doctrines that we talked about for the past few months here. We talked about before you get saved, you have a spirit, but it's dead. Remember that? And before we get saved, we are enemies of God. And before we got saved, guess what? These are the things that the Bible says describes the mind of an unsaved person so much so that if you're unsaved, no matter how many times or how much you search for God's will, you're not going to find it. It's just a moot point. Amen. So, the Bible says in Romans chapter number 12, verse number 12, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The mind needs to be renewed before it searches for the will of God, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect, what? Will of God. Without that transformation, the mind is still conformed to this world. I remember go, before going over to Bible college, I was in the university in Manila and I was, in, I was uh, part of the varsity, soc- soccer varsity team. And of course, living a life that's according to what varsity players do that are unsaved. So after that, I got saved, went over to Bible college and I'm like, oh, wow. I'm actually in a place where people encourage you not to say bad words. I just remember how refreshing it was. And I know we can't escape it, but I'm sure you can understand what I'm talking about, that Monday to Saturday, you're out in the world, working in the world, and you can't avoid but just to be with world, the people whose minds are just focused on the things of this world. And then you who have a transformed mind because you're saved, when you come around people who are saved, oh, how refreshing it is. Is that the way it is with you in your life? I hope so, amen. I hope it's that way in this church. Because without being transformed in your mind, or in other words, without being saved, you can forget about proving what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's what the verse said, right? You got to be saved first before we worry about the will of God. Number two, or next, Romans 8, verse 5 and 7. Why is that? Why do our minds need to be transformed? Look at verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, 
But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Watch this. Why does our mind need to be transformed? Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Can you see how drastic, how serious that is? So when people talk to you about, hey, you know what? I need your advice. I need to follow. I need to learn what the will of God is. I need to follow the will of God. The first thing they need to do is be saved because their, their mind needs to be transformed. Next, Colossians 1.21. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. The reason why we are enemies in our mind is because it's in enmity with God. Enmity is not only anger. It's a more serious type, if, if I, I, I'm, I can't find the right word here, but it's, it's, uh, the intensity is much greater than just simply anger. So that makes our minds, if you're not saved, that makes your mind enmity or enemies with God. That's why you have to be transformed first. First Timothy 6, 3 to 4. Are you still there? Amen. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, what wholesome words is he talking about? Even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And to the doctrine which is according to godliness... He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strife, strifes of words, whereof come an envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings. So, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words. So here's what the Bible is saying about people who know a lot about the Bible, but are unsaved. He is proud, but he does not know anything. I'm sorry, but that's what the Bible says. You can be a PhD in theology, but if, and you may memorize all the words, but if you are not saved, God says, not my words, he is proud knowing nothing. Amen? Then what happens? Verse five, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds. Not only does he have a carnal mind, which is enmity of God, his mind is an enemy of God, he also has corrupt, a corrupt mind. And this is what happens with people who are unsaved because their minds are corrupt. And destitute of the truth. Watch the next phrase. Supposing that what? Gain is godliness. Have you ever heard of this phrase before or people talking about this? That church right there in this street and that street, they're a huge church. They have so many church or they have so many members. God must be doing something in that church. Have you heard that before? Or God must be blessing that church. Or this person is rich. Maybe his heart is right with God. Nope. The Bible says you don't have to be rich to be right with God. That's what the natural mind thinks about. They think about, oh, he's rich. Oh, he's well off. Oh, he has many members. Oh, he must be godly. That is supposing that gain is godliness. 
The Bible says, from such withdraw thyselves. Why? But godliness with contentment is great gain. So people who are unsaved, sorry to say, even us, when, before we got saved, our minds needed to be transformed because we have carnal minds that are enmity against God, uh, and which makes us enemies in our minds, which gives us corrupt minds. Not only that, Titus 1.15. Unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. Not only do our minds need to be transformed because we have carnal minds that is enmity with God, which makes it enemies of God, and corrupt minds. People who are unsaved have defiled minds. Mind which is defiled. Which they profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. Next. You still there? Whew, kind of bleak. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're not saved, that is the state of your mind. That's why be saved, amen. Before you worry about what God's will is, you need to worry about being saved so that your mind can, trans, can, can be transformed first. Verse 22, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, but be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man. There's, there's a, that, that'll preach over there, what to put off and what to put on. So in the morning, while you're staring yourself at the mirror, what do I put on today? What, what attire should I put on? Put on the new man. Right? Um, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Once you got saved, once you get saved, then not only is your mind transformed, but your, the spirit of your mind is also renewed. Look at Philippians 2, verse 5 and 8, something that we all memorize probably. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Not after... After we have carnal minds that are enmity against God, which made us enemies of God, and we had corrupt minds and defiled minds, once we get saved, our minds are transformed and renewed, and the mind of Christ is with us. Not only that, 2 Timothy verse 1 to 7. This is, after this, we'll get to the message and then we're done. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a what? Sound mind. Right? And then let's put it all together. Well, so other than being saved, Brother Francis, what else is God's will for us? Right? What's, uh, what else is God's will for us? Well, number one, just like I said earlier, we need to be saved. God's will of us, for us, is for us to be saved. And if you're saved, praise God. But if you're not saved, especially if you're listening to us in, from internet land, the number one will of God for you is to be saved. You don't need to worry about anything else. Everything else is just going to be futile. Number one, be saved first, and then you can think about everything else. 
First Timothy chapter two verse four, who will have who will, so it's God's will have all men to be saved. And we talked about that in on Thursday, last Thursday. Number two, God's will for us is also to come to the knowledge of the truth. Same verse. And to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Meaning, if you're saved, God says it doesn't stop there. You need to come unto the knowledge of the truth. What does that mean? Get into the Bible. Amen. Get into God's Word and learn about what the truth is. Number three. There's only like... 78 of these, and then we're all number three already. Praise God. You know what? So number one, God's will is for us to be saved. God's will, number two, is for us to come into the knowledge of the truth. Number three, God's will is to save us from this present evil world. Whether it is by keeping us saved, once saved, always saved, some people call it, and by making sure we are caught up in the rapture. Look at Galatians 1, 3 to 4. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that what? He might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. So you know what God's design is for us? It's not just for us to be saved from hell. He also wants us to be delivered from this present evil world. So no matter if you're saved, no matter how many times you fall into sin, it's just, it's just God's working. He keeps us saved. But not only that, look at Philippians 1 verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you may be hopefully perform it. Is that what it says? Will, so it's God's will, that whatever he started in you, whatever he begun in you, that good thing that he begun in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So it's God's will to keep you saved so that you can be delivered from this present evil world, but also one day to catch you up from this evil world. Next. God's will is for us to live a life with a heart of thanksgiving. So number one, be saved. Number two, come to the knowledge of the truth. Meaning, that's why we have our Bible reading program, amen? By the way, I just thought of an awesome, wonderful thing that we're going to start after our Bible reading program is finished. We still have 27, 28, 29, 30 until Thursday to finish our Bible reading. If you haven't yet, if you're doing it. That's why we have things like that. That's why we have preaching. Amen. Number, number uh, three, or sorry, number four, God's will is for us to live a life with a heart of thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Right? Self-explanatory. Next. Ah, here we go. We were talking about this before, uh, this early, this or when we, when we started this morning. God's will is for us to live a sanctified life. First Thessalonians four verse three, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. 
A continuation of those of these verses, verses four to seven, that every one of you, sh- you don't have to go there, that everyone should of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God had not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Now, I know I've probably been talking a lot over here, but let me just give you an illustration. By the way, the word sanctified means separate, clean, or pure. Come back next Sunday. That's what we're going to be talking about. What is sanctification? Let me give you a story, then we're almost done. Before my wife and I got married, we took some pre-marriage counseling. I'm Probably some of you did that too. And in the pre-marriage counseling class, one of the most awesome things that I learned from that class is this. Our counselors told us that we need to sit down, my wife and I, before we got married. We need to sit down, define, and write down our values. We may know it in our mind. We, know, we may know what those values are in our mind. But it has to be something we set before getting married. Uh, we, it has to be something we set before getting married because... And this is what they said that I really appreciate. Because situations will come that will test you and crisis, times of high emotion uh, on something like that, that your values will make the decision for you. You don't have to hash it out. Did you, did you get that? Our counselor said, write down those, those values that you have because there will come a time that situations will tempt you to break those values. But if you have them written down, you don't have to think anymore. Those values will make the decisions for you. Right? So if you're a teen looking for friends, wondering what is right, what is the right thing to do or what is wrong, if you're a professional wondering, wondering how to navigate the politics of, at work or how to interact with unsaved people, you need to read this book especially the Pauline epistles underlying these values or even write them down or underline them so you can live a sanctified life. If in your mind you've already decided I'm going to live a separated, clean life, the temptation about fornication and every other thing in life should not be a problem. It would be easier. It's still going to be hard, but it would be easier If in our mind, we've already decided, this is my value, I am not going to do that. Yes, a lot of us probably, we've probably made uh, mistakes about this in our lives already, but we need to make a decision from here on out, 2021, we need to live a sanctified life. Last but not the least, God's will is that He will not allow us to be tempted above that which we are able to. And make a way to escape. You know this verse. If you do not know this verse, I love this verse. If you do not know this verse, you, you got to have it memorized. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Watch how wonderful this verse is. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. Oh God, why is it always me, me alone? Why is this not happening to anyone else? <laughs> God says, that temptation is common to men. It happens to other people too, not just you. But such is common to men. But God is faithful, praise God, 
who will, this is God's will, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which, that ye are able. God's not going to allow you to be tempted if you're not, if you cannot bear it. Remember the story of Job? God did not allow this, the devil to take away everything that Job had, even his family, because if, if he was not able to, uh, to bear it, Job was able to. But it didn't end there. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Are you being tempted right now? You're not the only one. Are you being tempted right now? God knows you can do it. You can go through it. Are you, being, are you going through a temptation right now? Open your eyes. Read God's word because he included a way to escape. Number one. God wants you to be saved if you're not saved. Number two, God wants you to come to the knowledge of the truth. Number three, God wants, us, wants to save us from this present evil world. Don't worry, you will fall sometimes. I will fall sometimes. But guess what? God's going to keep us saved. It is His work of salvation, not our work of salvation. And one day, He's going to catch us away in the rapture. Number four, God wants us to live a life with a heart of thanksgiving. Number five, he will, he want, it's his will for us to live a sanctified life. And number six, he will not allow us to be tempted above that which, is, which we are able. And he will make a way to escape. You don't have to guess and come up with stuff. We read what God's will is. I hope the year 2021 would be a blessed year for everyone if the Lord doesn't catch us away first. But if not, and if you're wondering what God's will is for your life, why not worry about these ones that we read right now that are expressly written to you and to me instead of going to the mystical? Instead of asking why God hasn't done this for me or why hasn't this happened, why not focus on these and make sure you are living these expressly written God's will instead of wondering about that which is not written? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your words. I pray, Father, that this is a blessing to a lot of people. And I pray, Father, that you would help us um, just focus on your words and help us do that which is written instead of worrying about that which is not written, Father. Help us to be a blessing one to another. Lord, I know a lot of people keep saying 2020 was the worst year ever or something like that. But help us to have a thankful heart and, and help us, first of all, if there's people who are not saved, that they would be saved. People would be interested in your word and come to the knowledge of the truth and be excited about their salvation and be excited about your word. Have a thankful heart and decide to have a sanctified life. Father, we ask that 2021, if you don't come and take us away in the rapture, that it would be a blessed year, that we would focus on you. It may be hard, but help us to focus on you, Father. For it's in your name, the Lord Jesus Christ's name, we pray all these. Amen.